a new campaign's been launched to promote what farming delivers for the country. It's all about promoting great British food and all the other benefits that agriculture actually provides. Olivia Midgley from Farmers Guardian has the details and we welcome a nutrition-promoting cow to the farming programme. I'm lucky enough to have a, a Jersey cow, a celebrity cow that has travelled around the local area educating and sharing her experience as being a cow producing beautiful milk. Johnny and Jelly will be here a little later, plus, of course, agronomy, the markets and the week's farming weather. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Good morning. Hope you've had a good week. It was certainly a relief to see some rain, although I'm not quite so keen on the hailstorms. I'm Steve Orchard. In the news this week, RSPCA Assured is returning to mandatory in-person assessments this month. Desktop assessments and virtual visits have been used for the last year during lockdown, but they will be back on farm, contactless, from May the 17th, as will RSPCA farm livestock officers. Little bit of good news for sheep farmers. With fleeces once again expected to fetch next to nothing this year, British Woolers confirmed that producers will not have to pay for transporting their wool to collection sites. They've abolished the usual charge of £5.15 per wool sheet, and this news follows the appointment of Andrew Hogley as British Wool's new CEO. And over a fifth of last year's potato production remains in storage on farm, and it seems worse in our part of the country. Why? Well, with that and an update on the current crop, here's Colin Jackson of PJP Potatoes. Colin, let's start with the crop in the field. With that long spell of dry weather recently, plus lots of frost, how's the current crop looking? Not bearing up too bad. I mean, the second earlier main crop is still sort of, you know, buried nicely underground anyway and uh, and pretty well undercover. Um, so that hasn't been affected by the the frosts. Uh, and obviously he's taking advantage of the uh, of the rainfall that we've had recently. The first early crop, the, the polythene covered particularly, did take quite a hammering because it was, it was pretty much every morning for a period there, wasn't it? So it did sort of keep giving it a bit of a kicking every morning. But it does seem to have recovered again. The, you know, the rains that have come have helped. So it has helped the, uh, the crop to recover. So it will have knocked things back a little bit as far as the timeline of them coming to market goes, but probably only by a few days a week, that kind of level. It's amazing how quickly they can recover. When do you think you'll start lifting the early ones? Locally, um, Boston area, we would anticipate somewhere within the next sort of 10 days or so, and uh, and hopefully something will be looking about right. You know, it, it'll be between 10 days and three weeks, really, depending on the uh, growing conditions over the next, uh, next week or so. OK, now it seems that a lot of last year's crop is still in storage. I've heard figures of 20% or even worse in our part of the world. Now, we've had pandemic, we've had Brexit. Is it that or is there something else going on? There is a mixture of, of, of lots of things in there. I would say mainly pandemic is probably having an effect. The supermarket sales obviously went up initially at the uh, at the start of the pandemic um, and movement was actually pretty good this time last year as people went back to home cooking and started new things and everything else. And, and unfortunately, that seems to have waned a little bit. Um, so people have gone back to, to uh, frozen food and takeaways a little bit, I think. And of course, restaurants are only just starting 
to come back to life. That's right. So that the food service sector is still being affected. And even when they do get back up and running, obviously it's very much a, a limited amount of table covers and what have you that they can have. Hopefully in the autumn, maybe we will be. But in the meantime, you know, we're not going to be back up to uh, to full speed with, with that kind of thing. The top quality product that's out there is being looked for and actually prices have gone up at the top end. But there is some, some pretty ordinary qualities out there which are in store and it may well be that one or two of those certainly you know Scottish seed tops that kind of thing that they probably won't actually get sold and I, I have heard of one or two people who've bitten the bullet already and decided to clear the last of the crop out for stock feed uh, which is obviously very disappointing not what anybody grows any potatoes for. All right Colin well thanks very much indeed for the update Colin Jackson from PJP Potatoes cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Steve. Now, we all know the importance of promoting what we do in farming and stressing the good that farming does. Events such as Open Farm Sunday on the 27th of June are a brilliant way of connecting with the non-farming public to show and tell what happens on farm. Well, we can add to that a new campaign launched by the Farmer's Guardian, hashtag Farming Can. It complements Farmer's Guardian's well-established 24 Hours in Farming initiative. And to tell us all about it, here's Farmer's Guardian's Olivia Midgley. Olivia, good morning. Morning, Steve. Farmers Guardians Farming Can campaign. What's it all about? So it's all about promoting great British food and all the other benefits that agriculture actually provides. So, for example, as well as the fantastic nutritious food that farmers provide, also farmers' roles in mitigating climate change, in providing jobs, the impacts on the environment and how that farmers actually, you know, a lot of the work that farmers do um, benefits the environment, caring for the countryside. And we launched this campaign really because there seems to be this newfound fondness really among the public and interest in farming, which is, I think, being brought about by the pandemic. And as we've seen throughout the lockdowns, the countryside has been the place for people to go, hasn't it? Um, so really, we want to capitalise on this this interest in the countryside and really educate consumers about the whole host of other benefits that farmers actually provide. And what's the campaign actually going to entail? What are you actually going to do? Well, the key thing about farming can really is the consumer element. So it's really about taking these messages and then getting them back into the into the mainstream, speaking to the public, uh, because they're the people that w- we really want to hit with this. It's not really farmers talking to farmers. So we're obviously using social media. So if anyone wants to have a look, we've got dedicated uh, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. So just look at at farming can. And then if you search the hashtag farming can, there's already a lot of stuff filtering through on social media. It's been fantastic to see. And it's basically about some of your listeners may have seen the 24 hours in farming campaign, which runs every August. But that's just one day. So this is really about farming 365. It's about farmers telling their stories and getting these stories out to the public. And really just hopefully um, you know, getting these fantastic stories out there to, to people who are, really want to know more about agriculture. I think you're right that the, uh, the pandemic seems to have brought about a bit of a change in the attitude of the non-farming public. You've got some big supporters behind this. Yeah, that's it. We had uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson um, came out in his support last week, which was great. Um, obviously, the farming ministers and DEFRA are really supportive of this. Um, but importantly, we've got, you know, we've got celebrities on board. 
Adam Henson, you know, farming's favourite, um, and obviously the uh, the public's favourite. He he's backing the campaign, and others coming on board as well. And that's really important for us because we know that their social media reach is absolutely huge, and that's really critical to this campaign. It's great to have the support of the government. And one of the comments that I noticed was saying that farming community will always have the government's full support. Doesn't always seem to have been the case, though, does it? No, a farmer called me uh, from the Isle of Man yesterday and he, he was quite angry that there was a supportive comment from Boris Johnson. But I did explain to him that he's the Prime Minister and it is better to have the government support with things like this. Well, we shall certainly be supporting it on the farming programme. And that's it's underway now, isn't it? It, it is, absolutely. Yeah. So more than uh, two million uh, people looked at the page last week. So it's got us a really good start. And uh, yeah, we just urge people to get involved. All right, Olivia, thanks ever so much for joining us on the programme this morning. And good luck with the campaign. Thanks, Steve. Last week, Sean Sparling, like most of us, was getting, well, a little stressed at the lack of water in the ground. I think he's a bit happier this week. Morning, Sean. Yes, a very good morning to you, Steve. And breathe. We said last week, need it now, need it now. Well, we got it. And uh, we are very humbly grateful for that. And I think that drop of rain will do more good than any agronomist could do in a month of Sundays. I can't tell you how relieved. I I think myself, every other agronomist and every other farmer in the county will have been to have had that drop of rain at last because it really was getting serious. You know, we had more rain in the first four days of May than we'd had in the 74 days that led up to the 1st of May. And, you know, 21.2 millimetres in the whole of March and April. Um, to the 30th of April this year, I've had 27 mil more than I had in the same period last year. But as I said last week, the difference this year is the fact it's been so cold this year. Last year, it was 25, 28 degrees and windy. So we saw so much evaporation. We haven't seen that this year. That's why the crops look better. But talk about weather you know april 2021 will go down in history 24 consecutive frosts and 4.7 millimeters of rain an absolute shocker but as i record this now it's friday morning i've taken 21.6 mil in the last five days the forecast is for a wet saturday tomorrow so therefore i predict that someone will say to me next week it soon wants to know when to stop raining because we want the moon on a stick in this industry don't we so let's move on to agronomy then all the crops look a fair bit happier now thank Thanks to that combination of a good drink and the ability via those moistened soils for these plants to access the nitrogen and all the other nutrients that they've been struggling so hard to get hold of. The new growth's coming out green and lush and completely untroubled, which is great to see. And of course, with the wet, we start to think about diseases again. It's easy to start forgetting about them when it's so dry and they're not in the forefront of your mind. But rust, mildew, septoria, all poised and ready to strike out there in these weeks. And it was a false economy uh, 10 days ago or so to try and save yourself a couple of quid on your t1 because it was dry and disease wasn't an issue i've even heard of people putting tebuconazole and folpet on as their main t1 absolutely crackers we have to predict what's coming in this job we have to account for what's in the crop at the time and we have to be sensible about what we're putting on to try and manage that for the next three or four weeks between this fungicide and the next one and saving a couple of quid and costing yourself 50 or 60 quid in loss yield is never a good saving of a couple of quid you know you don't need to spend a fortune but what you do need to do is make sure that if septoria which is the main threat in wheat gets the weather to set it off in those three or four weeks after you've put your t1 on that what you've applied is going to be capable of keeping up with it because 
If you get it wrong, trying to catch up with Septoria is like standing in a bucket and trying to pick yourself up by the handle. It's not possible to do it. So the continuing cool conditions then mean that Philocron and leaf emergence is much slower than we would normally expect it to be this time of year. And calendar date farmers and advisors may well find the flag leaf is a little bit later. It could be seven or ten days later than we used to coming out this year. It's the 7th of May and many, many wheat crops out there are still at growth stage 31. So constant monitoring will be vital and as always the timing will be crucial and plenty of septoria out there as i say so bear that in mind when you choose and time those fungicides winter barley looks absolutely awful out there on the sands over gravel in particular but looks better on the more bodied land and i'm afraid the rain might well have come a little bit too late for some of those gravelly fields particularly out there on the gravelly sands so no amount of amino acid snake oil or old mrs johnson's miracle elixir in skin emollient is going to change that so save your money putting awns out though in the main out there at winter barley and in many cases with rinkosporium and net blots showing up in winter and spring barley alike your choice of weapon will once again be absolutely vital sugar beets suddenly there in rows so just watch these frosts they keep rolling in just be aware of them the sugar beet is small particularly if it's only just emerging you need to be gentle and as we said last week the weeds especially polygonums like it a bit warmer than this so fields full of rubbish are the exceptions rather than the rule at the moment but as it warms up and on the back of the rain that you've just had you may well find that'll change and these weeds are going to flush with a vigor and ferocity as yet unseen in 2021 so just be prepared wild oats broadleaf weeds in most crops are only just emerging because it's been so dry and now we've just had some rain here they come so again in another week or so things are going to look a lot different they'll look greener weedier happier and healthier than they have done of late thanks to that wonderful drop of rain peas and beans you can almost hear them growing as you walk fields this week pea and bean weevil then less of an issue now thanks to the plants beginning to outgrow that damage and again grass weeds which have thus far been absent may well emerge with alacrity in the coming days off the back of that moisture and warming conditions wild oats volunteer cereals meadowgrasses cooch all possible to do a pretty good job with fops and dims but black grass may well not be worth even trying to stop with fops and dims glyphosate on the worst areas may well be the best route also rate showing the effects of the frost on those flowers now plenty of bud abortion but also plenty of new flower buds coming from lower down in the canopy and also the cabbage stem flea beetle larvae while much lower in number than they were last year in the rape so one or two per plant rather than 10 or 15 have really made their mark on these backward struggling crops and plants are succumbing in headlands and in patches there's nothing we can do now nor was there anything we could have done in the autumn as we now know apart of course from not planting all seed rape but with the crop worth well over £400 a tonne, if you've come this far and you've spent 99% of what you're going to spend on it, you know, it's your decision, but you probably want to keep it. A protectant fungicide on the flowers like a strob to stop the botrytis and grey moles getting in and leading sclerotinia into the stem if they stick on the stem. Cheap and cheerful, a bit of manganese, magnesium, that may well be the most cost-effective approach at this stage. So also worth remembering, 80% of this job is down to the weather and the other 20% is a combination of luck and skill but you really do need the whole of that 20% to do any good. And thanks to that rain and the warm forecast, I think that 20% is firmly with us. So let's see what the next seven days bring. 
Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services, back same time next week. We've talked in the past about the need to educate our children, particularly those not involved in farming, on the journey our food takes from farm to fork. A new free book has been published focusing on milk, not just the journey from cow to bottle, but the goodness and nutrition in milk. Let's welcome Johnny Burridge, who's behind the book. Good morning, Johnny. But it's not just you spreading the word, is it? Tell us about Jelly the Cow. Good morning and uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, yes, I'm a farmer. I produce milk here at the, the dairy farm and I'm lucky enough to have a, a, a Jersey cow, a celebrity uh, cow that has travelled around the local area um, educating and sharing her uh, experience as being a cow producing beautiful milk. And this book uh, is an opportunity to continue the story of how milk is produced and daily life on a dairy farm. So this is Johnny and Jelly Go From Strength to Strength, your second book, and it's aimed at helping children and their families understand nutrition and how milk's produced, isn't it? Exactly, yes. I mean, uh, a lot of effort goes into the diet fed to the cows on the farm. I have a nutritionist that comes here once a month and we discuss how the cows are fed. But as a, a human being, the food we eat, we don't have access to a nutritionist. And my experience going around speaking to people and the research that Arla has done has shown that um, people are very confused and don't understand what is best to eat and uh, to formulate a balanced diet. So this book is an opportunity to tell a story and share some more information about where food comes from so you can make our own choices. So I don't want to delve into the statistics too deeply because we could take up the, the rest of the programme doing that, but uh, one uh, just a couple that I picked out from our part of the world that nearly half of uh, parents don't think their kids get their five a day. About a third of parents don't think their kids get enough variety in their diet. So what you're doing through the book is in a nice, fun, enjoyable way, trying to educate a little bit on nutrition and balanced diets and so on, aren't you? Yeah, well, milk is a natural product. I mean, I drink a lot myself. It comes straight from the cow. You can make it into cheese and butter and all the other products. Um, It's a very healthy, natural product to, to eat. It's full of calcium and lots of other nutrients. It's all part of a balanced diet. And this book is an opportunity to share that information uh, in a form of a story. Jelly is the star and we go around the farm in the book discussing uh, various parts of the farm. And you say that Jelly's a a bit of a celebrity because you you actually take her out, don't you, to schools and so on? Yes, she's seen lots and lots of people over her uh, life uh, so far. She's been to schools, um, shows, she even goes to Norwich Cathedral and has a crib surface and it's a lovely opportunity for people to come and actually see a cow and touch her and feel the warmth and the soft fur and the beautiful eyes and actually see that milk does really come from cows and they are beautiful creatures and very friendly and they also have great personality as well and that opportunity to see a cow is fantastic I think and it sticks with people for the rest of their life and now we've been able to put it into a book is the next next stage excellent and we often talk about the journey from farm to fork i know it's slightly different with milk obviously but do you find that people understand that journey are they thinking well it it arrives in the supermarket in nice cellophane packaging do i need to really worry about where it comes from is there a bit of a disconnect in certainly parents understanding and therefore i guess children's understanding of that journey from the farm to uh, the breakfast table? 
Yes, very much so. All the speak people I've spoken to when I go out uh, with Jelly and visit people, uh, there is a huge vacuum of knowledge there. And um, this is my opportunity to help educate people uh, to understand where food comes from, to see that milk really is a natural product and it comes from cows and it's very good for you. It's full of nutrients and calcium and it's, it's very important to understand that knowledge so you can make your own choices and yeah it's something that i'm very very passionate about and i really enjoy sharing that information obviously and and uh, more power to your elbow for that and the book is called johnny and jelly go from strength to strength how can we get a copy of this yeah it's on uh uk, but it's also available for download on spotify as an audio book so you can actually listen whilst you're driving or somewhere some other way um it's uh yeah lots of information on the arla website though a nice thing to pop on the hi-fi while doing the school run yes definitely yeah yeah and it's free yes yeah it's free yeah all right well johnny burridge and jelly thanks for joining us on the farming program this morning brilliant thank you very much for having us that website again for your free copy of johnny and jelly go from strength to strength is arla a-r-l-a dot co dot uk how have the markets performed this week? With the answer, here's Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. Another week where the wheat market got the wind in its sails, catching the thermals of the global maize market, where the situation continues to worsen. The Brazilian crop is going backwards, with no rain in the 14-day forecast as it enters their dry season. One major analyst dropped the ideas by 95 million metric tonnes, with others fearing it could be even lower given the current weather outlook. The last three times the Seabot maize traded above $6 a bushel was in 2008, 2011 and 2012 and it went on to trade $7.75 per bushel above which is the equivalent to £45 per metric tonne higher. Spring wheat and maize plantings in the US got off to a fast start which was expected given the relatively dry conditions but more rain will be needed soon. The Dakotas, the Western Midwest and Canada are still suffering a prolonged cool and dry condition, whilst northern and western Europe got some much-needed rain. Forecasts are revising the Indian crop production 4 to 5 million metric tonne lower from the earlier forecasts, while the Argentine wheat production is put at 19 million metric tonnes up from the 17.5 million metric tonnes this year, despite talk of Argentine farmers switching their acreage from wheat to barley. Australian production was put at 27 million metric tonnes this week, 2 million above the Abare estimate, but 4.5 million down on this year's La Nina inflated crop. As rumours circulate again this week of a further Chinese new crop purchases from France, wheat and barley, and the US maize, despite the Chinese proclamations of a bumper summer harvest, attention is turned towards next week's USDA first stab at the 2021-2022 global supply and demand estimates. This will depend on whether they grasp the nettle to better reflect the season's Chinese imports. US maize exports and Brazilian maize production before it gets lost in the balance books with some new crop creative accounting coming into play. So moving on to barley, nothing new on new crop markets other than perhaps the narrowing of the premium over the feed as any malting trade remains on an ad hoc basis. There are a few more malting parcels to be found in the back of sheds, hence they are making their way to the marketplace. Recent rains have been sporadic both in region and volume. Some reports of 20 to 25 millimetres have given some comfort for the south and southwest, but whereas 7 to 10 millimetres in the eastern regions has still been welcomed at the present level, but there are still concerns out there. 
New crop markets continue to see interest, which has underlined on the new crop values, also helped and supported by the feed barley values. As current new crop ideas remain supported at these levels, it is a good time to look at new crop marketing campaigns. Moving on to oilseed rate, the oilseed rate market continued to find support as global oilseeds markets grind higher. With old crop futures contracts dropping off the board last week, there was some concern that the old crop values may adjust. This has not been the case, with continuing demand for the old crop physical seed keeping values elevated. New crop markets have also been buoyed as vegetable oil markets remain in the focus, with the ever-increasing importance of biodiesel mandates in the cutting carbon emissions. There has also been some additional revisions lower of the EU OSR production forecast, which marks the third month in a row and now stands at 16.5 million metric tonnes down, 300,000 month on month. Further afield, Canadian canola production was set to increase on the back of gains in a cropped area. However, the current dry spell in North America has seen moisture deficits cause increasing concern for the coming crop. So looking forward now to prices this week. Feed wheat for May, 200 to 202. August new crop, 180 to 183. November, 185 to 188. February, 188 to 191. And May 22, 192 to 195. Milling wheat premiums for new crop are in the region of 18 to 20 pounds. Feed barley for May 165 to 168. Moving forward to August off the combine 155 to 158. November 164 to 167. February 165 to 168. And May 22 168 to 171. Malting premiums are currently 8 to £10 pounds for old crop on a 185 nitrogen. Oil seed rate for May is 436 to 439, July 430 to 433, November 435 to 438, February 438 to 440, and May 22, 440 to 443. Thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Warm with quite brisk southerly winds today and some rain later, highs of 17 Celsius. Much the same for Monday, but two or three degrees cooler. The winds continue southerly through the middle of the week, but easing into single figures. Some light rains expected each day, with temperature highs staying in the mid-teens. The end of the week sees the wind back to northerly by Friday, but staying mostly light, a few degrees cooler and some light rain each day. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, but a quick reminder that Cash for Kids Day is on this Friday. Lots going on on Lynx FM. We would love your support and perhaps a donation. Details at linksfm.co.uk. See you same time next Sunday or whenever you want online.